Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Grab your, grab your Bibles and open with me or your phones or whatever you're using this morning to the book of Mark. We're going to deal with a subject we're calling the parable of all parables. Um, I, was really, I would really love to take this message and give it to Josh and have him teach it because it's such a good teaching message and I'd rather preach than teach. So I'm going to try to teach it. So I really need you to get it. And the reason I need you to get it is because Jesus said, this is the parable of all parables. Jesus said, if you can understand a parable is a natural story to illustrate a spiritual lesson. And I think there's nearly 46 parables in your Bible that Jesus was constantly taking natural principles to help us to understand spiritual concepts. And I've really never noticed it uh, before, but it stood out to me that Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you'll not understand anything. That's pretty weighty. You'll not understand any of the parables. So anyway, in other words, if you can understand this concept, It'll be a foundation for you to understand your spiritual life, your spiritual vitality. That's how important this is. So I hope I can lay out some concepts for you um, so that you can get a hold to them and pray them and study yourself. So you're going to want to get a pen and paper and, and your Bible to, to work with me on this one. Uh, let's go to the book of Mark, chapter number 4 and verse number 1. If you were not here Wednesday night, uh, the Wednesday night was put, we, we, we streamed it, and it's recorded, right? Be on podcast this week. If you were not here, uh, especially if you weren't here, Tyronda, Jermaine, and them usually teaching. Of course, they were at a ball game. Uh, uh, one of the babies was playing. Well, she ain't a baby no more, huh? Uh, so if you were here on the weekend, it was the follow-up from the weekend of what God done here. So go back and watch that or listen to it if you weren't here. I believe it'll help you. Mark chapter number 4 and verse number 1 says, And he, Jesus, began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. This is the doctrine of Christ. If I emphasize a word, I want you to either repeat it after me, highlight it, uh, mark it down. Some things I want to stick into your spirit. Jesus, this is written in red, says, hearken. In other words, listen, I need you to pay attention. Uh, are y'all with me this morning? I need you to give me your whole attention. Hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not, not much earth. 
And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth. Somebody shout depth. It had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, he just, he just interchanged the words depth and root. He said, because it had no root, it just withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. Skip down to verse number 13 because the disciples had asked him later, what does that mean? We understand sowing. We sow every year. We understand that principle. But what's that got to do with the things of the Spirit? And verse number 13, And he said unto him, Know you not this parable? How then will you know all parables? In other words, Jesus said, If you don't get this concept, you're going to be in the dark about everything else in the kingdom. Isn't that powerful? He said, Okay, I'm going to explain to you what I was talking about. He said, the sower is sowing the word of God. And these that are by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are likewise which were sown on stony ground who when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness, but have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a time. But afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And that's a rich teaching. And, and, and here's, here's the powerhouse ending. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and brings forth fruit, some 30 times, some 60 times more, and some 100 times more. There's a deep concern as a pastor, and I hope it's a concern of yours. I hope you think about it sometimes. Uh, but where this came from uh, was my concern about the body of Christ. And the deep concern is that the strength and the faith of the church don't match the level that's being taught. <laughs> it's awkwardly quiet. I'm going to say that again. And, and, and I believe this is corporately you know, based on my travels, that the strength and the faith 
and the vitality of the church, it does not match the level or the quality of the word that's being preached. Now, I want you to bring that down to, to, to your level. Do you feel like that your life matches the quality of the Bible you read? Or maybe let's put it like this. How, where are you at? Are you at 30%? Are you at 60%? Or are you at 100%? As far as reproducing the wealth of the Bible you read probably every day. Amen. Uh, oh, I feel something going to move into this building. Amen. I, I need us to get a hold of this because it's going to catapult us into being able to get a hold of something. Tell your neighbor it's all about the word. Uh, tell them it ain't about the worship. Come on now. It, it, it ain't about the feel good. It, it, it ain't about anything but the word. So if we don't get the word right, everything else is unfruitful. Amen. If you don't get it right in your life, you can't produce the fruit of love and of peace and of joy and of long suffering. Amen. So where are you at on long suffering? 30%? Where, where, where are you at on mercy? 30%? 60%? Or is the, 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 the word of mercy, God is the God of, is it producing 100 times in your life? If not, I want to know why. Anybody else? I want to know why it's not producing what I know because uh, I just throw stuff at Patty. Some, I mean, I don't throw stuff at her. I bounce stuff off of her. <laughs> Sometimes that comes, but you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I said, what's that mean to you? I want to know what that means. Uh, amen. And we come to the conclusion that the same word has the same potential to produce 30, 60, or 100. Amen. It has the potential to produce a hundred times more. Amen. It's like a corn seed. When you plant one kernel of corn, it don't give you one kernel back. You'd have been just as well off to kept the kernel you had. But you sow it so it'll produce back. And, and I live by, right in the middle of farmland. And they came in with machines that were unbelievable. Never, they came in with leveling machines. I've never seen them do this before. They level in that ground so that when they water it, the water don't run to one end. And I thought, they are spending millions. I mean, they're sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the ground ready because they know the seed's good. They know the seed's good, so I'm going to spend all of this money to make sure that I get. How many comes to church on Sunday saying, I got to have my spirit ready. I got to have the ground ready. I got to break up fallow ground because good seed's about to be sown, and I need it to be able to produce 100 times what that preacher preaches. There's a scripture that scares me to death, and it's if you want to write it down, it's 2 Timothy chapter. Second Timothy 3 and verse number 7. And it says, They are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Information, information is a poor substitute for revelation. I'm going to say that again. Information is the genius of the devil. We are information crazy in the 21st century. Amen. It's all about information, information. It's at our fingertips. Amen. But, and we've brought that over into the church and we feel like if we're doing a lot of learning, we're doing a lot of growing. But you can learn a whole lot about God and never get a revelation of God and never grow 30%, 60%, or 100%. He said, we're ever learning and never... The Passion said, they're always learning but never discover the revelation knowledge of the truth. Amen. So uh, uh, would, would some of you admit with me that I know more than I do? I have more information than I have fruit to account for it. Amen. I, I know I'm supposed to have peace. I know I'm supposed to have joy. I know I'm supposed to be long-suffering. I know I'm supposed to have temperance and self-control. I know every bit of that. Amen. But would someone admit with me, just because I know it, don't mean I'm producing it? Always count on Tammy. <laughs> you know, You know what I'm saying? Well... If we got this good a seed, I want it to produce in our life. Ever, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that word knowledge means recognition, full discernment, acquainted with. In other words, always hearing good preaching. I mean, we're not the best preachers on the planet, but we're not the worst. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. What'd you say, Randy? That's a matter of opinion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got some good teaching. You got the Bible in your hand. <laughs> Thank you, baby. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. Uh, always hearing truth, always hearing good doctrine, but am I ever coming acquainted with it? Am I ever becoming one with it? Remember the teacher on the yada, yada, he shall know the truth. Yada means become one with. How much is being preached that I never become one with? And so I go out in the world. Let's, let's work it. We're going to work it. Well, I need to know what the problem is. And if you never ask questions, amen, you're, 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 you're never going to grow. Did you know God put it in you to want to know? My grandkids drive me crazy. Granddaddy, why? Granddaddy, why? Why is this? Why is the sky blue? Why is them clouds white? Why are they floating? Huh? You know what I'm saying? You want to know why? Because God hardwired us to want to know why. He wants to know why. Why is it when we get saved, we quit wanting to know why? Why, why is it when we get saved, we have to quit asking questions, amen? It, when it's hardwired in us to want to know why, but pride won't even let us ask why sometimes. Or, well, this parable addresses multiple hindrances to the Word of God, and I hope I can get through all of it and not preach past 1230. Number one, keep your Bibles open. This parable, and I want you to find yourself, and you're going to find yourself in one of them. I don't know where. we all going to find ourselves in one of the uh, illustrations that Jesus used on uh, why the Word is not producing at all or why it's producing only 30% or 60% or 100%. Let's work it, can we? Um, Josh, take notes and y'all can come back and teach this. Number one, when the Word is preached... Some fall by the wayside and Satan comes immediately and takes it. 
Now, I'm going to jump back and forth from Luke and Mark on their parables because I like to pull some stuff out of Luke and some stuff out of Mark. Amen. That same scripture in the book of Luke says, a sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed and some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down. Somebody say trodden down. It was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. He said, he sowed the seed and some fell by the wayside. I always pictured that as it fell by the side. It fell by the wayside. That's my definition, but that's not the Greek definition. It says some fell on the wayside. Take notes, please. The word wayside means road. It actually means beaten path. I was going to get Josh to pull me up a beaten path, but I forgot. It's a beaten path which represents, listen to me, it represents a common course taken. It's a common course taken or a continual or a habitual way of thinking. He said when he sowed, the seed was sown on a mindset that had been thinking this way forever. It, it was thinking this way forever. Amen. And listen, the word trodden means to trample down, but figuratively it means to reject or refuse to accept. In other words, the seed which God's word, uh, in other words, the seed which is God's word, which is so much higher than our way of thinking, when it's sown, it's sown on our lower way of thinking and it's trodden down. It's rejected because it seems so far beyond our current condition. And, the power, uh, and so the, the word of God is being read you're reading it, it's being taught, it's being preached to you, but you've been thinking in this way so long, you got a trodden path and the seed falls on that hard path. Is anybody listening to me? And the seed is telling me I am greater than, but my, my, my experience is saying I'm lesser than. So, so if we're not careful, when the seed is thrown on here, we will trot it down. We will reject it. Is anybody in this place? We don't reject it uh, verbally. We reject it intellectually. We reject it mentally. Amen. Saying that can't be me. That's not me. I know you're saying that about me. Who am I teaching in this place this morning? And we'll start trotting it down. Tell your neighbor, quit trotting on it. Quit trotting. Don't trot down what God's trying to lift up. I say, quit trotting down what God is trying to lift up. He said, some of it falls by the wayside. A lot of times we're reading a word that we can't receive. We're hearing a word preached that we can't, that we reject mentally because we can't see ourselves living at that level. Amen. So we're reading the Bible. But the Bible ain't producing no fruit in our life, amen, because we're reading it and we're still on that well-trodden path of my past defeats, my past failures. Is anybody in this place, is this truth or what, amen? And the Bible's telling you you're more than a conqueror and you just blew it. Oh, God, it helped me, Tammy. I hope it helps us. Amen. We trod it down. We thought that way so long. Can I help somebody right now? We thought that way so long, we beat out a path. We beat out a path. And can I tell you this? It's just a little side note. Whatever path you beat out, your children will probably follow it. 
I'm saying something. Whatever habitual, negative, dysfunctional thinking you have now, you'll beat out a path. Amen. I walk out here, and if you walk out beside the church, you can look down to my house, and you will see a beat out path because I'm on it every day. Amen. And Patty decided to use my walking space one day, and she told me, she said, I just walked down your path. Amen. What you don't realize is if we don't break it now, your children will find that path and nobody has to tell them how to walk in it. Somebody ought to help me right. They're just naturally going to walk down the beaten path. Somebody, now shake your neighbor and tell them you're getting out of the rut today. It's called a rut. Is anybody, you're, we get in a rut and it don't matter how much good seed is being sown, it's hard to get out of the rut. Isn't it? Look, you've drove tractors, you know. I used to work in the logging woods, and every winter when we would be skidding, if you, if you stayed in the same trail long enough, we would literally create ruts. Amen? And we didn't have cell phones back then, but, you know, we had lunches and stuff like that. Well, if I was skidding way at the back 40, all I had to do is get my machine in the ruts. And then I didn't have to have no cognizance whatsoever. I didn't have to think whatsoever. I could eat my lunch. Are you listening to me? I could do whatever. But once you got in the rut, there's a, there's a place, I think it's in Alaska, I should have looked that up. It just come back to me. I read it one time that there's a path and the destination is, is two different destinations. But because the terrain is so bad, there's ruts that goes this way and there's ruts that goes this way. And it says at the end of that road, make sure you're going in the direction you want to go in before you get in these ruts. Because once you get in them, you can't get out of them and them ruts is always going to take you to the same destination. Am I talking to anybody? If you keep thinking that same way of dysfunction, it's going to create ruts in your life and then once you get started on them, it is heck to pay to get out of them. I have had them machines turn sideways. I'm talking about big four-wheel drive tractors turn sideways, trying to climb up out of the rut. Hey Amen. How five you never tell them I'm climbing out today? I'm climbing out today. And you know how I'm getting out? There's good seed being sown. I'm going to take the seed and I am going to... We thought that way so long, we can't get out of the rut. And what I found to be true is, like I said, if you keep thinking it, people around you start thinking it, you start handing it down to your children, it's called creating a culture. Amen? My God, it's all in your Bible. Saul, amen. the Old Testament Saul, he was off looking for donkeys. He wasn't nothing but a peasant. He was just a father's son, off looking for his son's donkeys. Amen? And the man of God came and said, you are the desire of Israel. <laughs> you, you, you're the desire of the church. You are what Israel needs. You are what the church needs. Are y'all listening to me? And, and Saul said, man, why are you talking to me like this? He was offended because of the word. He was plumb. He said, why are you talking? I can't receive that kind of word. Can I tell you, amen? He trotted it down. Tell your neighbor, don't trot it down. Don't trot it down, Amen. Because God's speaking into you what is counterintuitive. It, it's, it's totally in opposition to what you think about yourself. And so this is why the word can't produce because we're stomping it. 
God's speaking highly of you, and you're constantly saying, you're hiding out, Gideon. You're hiding out, Gideon, and God's calling you a mighty man of valor. Amen. And Gideon's wondering, why are you talking to me like that? Amen. I'm not fighting. I'm back here. I'm hiding. Is anybody listening to me? Come on, I know y'all can't say nothing, but I'm preaching to everybody in this building right now. We can't receive prophetic words. We can't receive words of encouragement because of how we see ourselves. He said, it's words sown by uh, the wayside. And here's, here's the thing about it is, when you trample the word, Satan takes it. He can't take it till you stomp it. He can't take it till you reject it. He said, he said, when you trample the word, here comes the birds of the air. And in one scripture, he says, Satan is coming to take it. Satan is getting more word than we're getting. But the thing about it is, Satan don't want the word. He wants to devour the word. And we ain't receiving the word because we're rejecting the word. My wife was the most insecure person that ever was, and it's taken me years, taken me years. It's taken me years to try to build some self-confidence in her, and sometimes she'll still laugh when I say she's beautiful. And I say, I wasn't kidding. What are you laughing about? That wasn't funny. Huh? You ever find yourself laughing, a preposterous laugh, when someone gives you a compliment? Huh? Come on. Y'all feel me? Huh? Yeah, it's not a laugh of, ha, 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 that was funny. It was a laugh of, ha, huh, yeah, right, I'm not that. So I pour it into her, and I pour it into her. Are you listening to me? Some of you can't receive what your father's saying about you because you have believed what the devil said about you or some knuckle-headed individual. Amen? You got to get off that well-trodden path of dysfunction and negative thinking because when you reject it, the devil takes it. He can't take it till you refuse it. He cannot take it till you refuse. We got to go. Number two, point number two. I got three points and a poem and a song. Y'all are going to be looking forward to that song, aren't you? Okay, number two. Then there's the word. That's the word sown on, uh, by the wayside that we trample down when it's an exalted word. Then there's the word that is sown on stony ground. This is different from the word received on the wayside. Look at the difference. Because the word sown on the wayside was rejected immediately. I can't receive that. I can't receive that. But here the Bible says, immediately the word was received with gladness. It was received, it is. <laughs> Wait on me, Kobe. It was received with joy immediately. You want to know why? Because it's really what you know to be the truth about what you believe and what you desire to be a part of. You receive it with joy because you know it. You feel it. Huh? Is anybody in this place? It's when the word is being preached or prophesied or read and your, your heart leaks because of it and you know, I can be that. I can do that. That's who I really am. Is anybody in this place? I can conquer that. I can overcome that. Amen. And, 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 and when it's being spoken to you, you're saying, I am strong enough. I am free. And immediately it makes you want to just shout it out. That word's mine. That's mine. I can get a hold of that. Just, just with joy. Why? Because that's the spirit in you saying, that's who you really are. 
Huh? Does that ever happen when the word is being taught or preached? My God, I hope it does. If not, we're in bad shape. Amen. Just something that fires you up and you can feel like you can conquer the world. Amen. And you're full of joy and you're full of the word and you'll applaud the word and you'll shout over the word. He said, when the word is preached, immediately you connect with it. And you say, yeah. In spite of me, yeah. And then it says, and we endure for a while. Then affliction comes because of the word. <laughs> what? The word affliction, Fluky, means pressure. It means narrow. I love you note takers. It means trouble. Burden. <laughs> All of these, that's what it means. It, it, then affliction comes because, wait, wait, it don't just come. The, the King James says, it ariseth because of the word. And the word ariseth means, it's from a Greek word that means to generate. It means to cause to be. It means to come into being. In other words, the word itself will generate pressure. The word of God will generate pressure. It's the most radical book you're ever going to pick up. Jesus had the most radical message you ever heard preached. He called us to be holy, to love those that hate us, forgive those who hurt us. Are you listening to me? It's, it's pressure. He said, when pressure comes, because he said the word will actually cause pressure to come into being that you didn't have before you heard the word. All right now. Amen. That, that if I wasn't being called to be held to that high standard, it wouldn't even be pushing me in that direction. So I'd have had more peace if you wouldn't have told me what God said about me. Then I could just stay in my dysfunctional self. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to teach it anyway. He said it comes because of the word. The word itself will put pressure on you because it's telling you who God created you to be. But it's easier to follow the well-trodden path of my dysfunction than to step into the path God's called me to be. And we, amen, are you listening to me? It takes effort to get out of the rut. So I'll come up with all the excuses of why I'm like I am. And then I feel better about my rut. Well, I wouldn't act this way if you wouldn't talk to me like that. I wouldn't have a temper problem if I didn't have people to deal with. Are you following me? So we'll come up with all those. Well, it was a mom and them. It was, they done it to me. They done it to me. It was raised by my grandpa and this, that, and other. Amen. We all got a story. Amen. And sometimes we'll use our story to stay in our stink. But when the word comes, it starts putting pressure on us. It starts revealing to you who you are and what you are and the ability you have to respond in a different way. Amen. Are you listening to me? And the reason uh, affliction arises because of the word is because this level of the word being preached in this church, it'll cause affliction because it's counterintuitive. 
It's countercultural. It's counter-religious. And it's counter-experiential. And the word counter actually means opposition, retaliation, or rivalry. The Word of God will stand in your face in total opposition to you. Are y'all okay? Jesus said, y'all think I came to bring peace? I come to offend. Amen? Because I'm going to offend you about your ugly because I made you beautiful. Are y'all catching it? Amen? He said, I'm not going to leave you like that. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be, it's going to be like a rivalry. The true word of God will, will rival against your ugliness. It's an, it'll stand in opposition to your sharp temper. Is anybody in this place? Y'all making me feel like I'm all by myself. Huh? No, he said, that's what the word of God's going to do. It's going to be opposition. Now remember, this is the same word you were rejoicing over when you heard it. Oh, it's easy, ain't it? Sit here. Oh, God, preach, preacher. Preach, preacher. Wow, that's a good word. I'm going to walk in the victory. I'm going to walk in the joy. Are you listening to me? It's the same word you were rejoicing over. Now that same word is putting pressure on you to abandon the old path. Same word. Same word you were shouting over. It's easy to shout over a, a vision to lose weight. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to lose weight. My God, I got before and after here. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ketosis. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to eat no bread and I'm not going to eat no sweets, whatever the hell that is. Uh, you've been there, hadn't you? Amen. I, you know, amen. You're all fired up about it. But that same commitment is producing the turmoil you're going through. Come on now. You know what? So just do away with the commitment and it does away with the turmoil. And then I stay fat. Are y'all catching this parable I'm using right now? He said the very word itself is going to cause some pressure and it's going to, to require you. Let me tell you, God's word is making a way of escape, but escape can be scary. I need you to tell your neighbor that. Escape can be scary. I need somebody to write that, tweet that, do something with that. Amen. You know why escape can be scary? Because it's the way I've always responded. And now that I'm trying to respond in a different way, it's awkward. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody. It can be plumb awkward when I start responding the way God responded. Amen. And if I have trouble with unforgiveness and I start forgiving, the devil will start telling me, you're letting him get away with something you shouldn't. Because it's my nature to hold it to you. My God, this is teaching. Are you listening to me? It can be scary to be different. We had a drug rehab in Texas that had, I don't know how many guys we had there, and they would come out of prison to us. I had one guy that there was nothing he couldn't do. He was a body man, paint man, mechanic, genius in his mind, one of the smartest men I ever ran into. It was six times out of prison when he got to us and left us and went back to prison, seven times. I said, you are the smartest idiot I have ever met. <laughs> but you know what it was? He said, I can't function in freedom. I'm more comfortable with bondage because I've been in bondage all my life. 
I'm more comfortable with someone telling me what I'm going to eat, when I'm going to. Is anybody in this place? I'm more comfortable with someone else controlling my feelings and my emotions and what I can do than me standing up on my own two feet and running my own life. Sometimes we'll opt out for bondage, amen, because being normal or being free can be scary. Because now I have to control my emotions. I got to move on. God, I felt like I just tapped into something there. Did y'all feel it? Amen. So, so the word will put pressure on you to be what God called you to be. But here's the genius of it. Here's, here's the, you will never, uh, quitting will bring a certain level of peace. But it's always temporary. Because after a while, the peace you got from just quitting turns into bondage. Is anybody listening to me? Sin is pleasant for a little while. But after a while, it starts binding you up. Amen. And, and as hard as it is to get out of the rut, you'll never walk in the fullness of fulfillment until you're walking in who God created you to be. Never. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never enjoy fulfillment and true peace and joy until you step into what God called you to be. So, so the word itself, I got to go. I got three points. This is number two. Uh, so the word itself, you're, you're in affliction because you heard a good message. No, no, no. You're in affliction because you're doing the right thing. Somebody needs to get that. Because you're transforming a mindset. And you're getting out of a generational curse. You're getting out of a generational rut that may have been generations long. Are, are you following me? But you're breaking it now. And the good news is when you get it broke, everyone following you will follow into the paths of freedom. That's why we got to break it in life church. I'm determined to step into the fullness in life church. And here's point number two of number two. It's not only is the word putting pressure on us, the seed sown attracted birds. So I got pressure coming from the word. And that's why they used to, I'm not going to say do it anymore. They used to put scarecrows in the garden. <laughs> amen. Because when you start sowing seed, amen, they wasn't no birds here until they started sowing. Amen. I wasn't having no battle until God started speaking to me. You hear me? I was just doing great until God started speaking to me and revelation started coming to me. Amen. You get to the point where when the prophet comes, I'll pass on that word, sir. Thank you. I'm doing real good right now where I am. Are y'all okay? This is the way we do preaching of the gospel every Sunday morning. I'm doing real good where I am right now. And if I receive that word, birds are going to come and start trying to take that word. Is anybody in me? He said, this is why the word can't produce. Number one, the word. If you're going to a word church, we're going to be attacked by buzzards. But you remember what I preached? I ain't tearing up no mics today, amen. You, like Abraham, have got to get ambidextrous and you got to get a club in each hand and start beating off the fouls of the air, mindsets, thoughts from another dimension coming down. My God, if this don't help y'all, nothing will, I'm telling you. You got to beat them off. You got to beat them off. You got to protect your seed. Oh, my God. Tell your neighbor, protect the seed. Protect the seed. And you know who you got to protect the seed from a lot of times? You. You. <laughs> you. You got to protect it from you. You, you are messing in your nest. 
Oh, that just come out. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Amen. You're messing up your own destiny with your old way of thinking. I need you to shake the far out of your neighbor right now and tell him, get out of the rut. Satan is saying, I can't take the word. I, I, I can't take the word if you don't reject it. So I need to get you to reject what that preacher said. I need you to get to reject what God is saying. This is why Paul told Timothy, this is exactly what he said. Write it down. 1 Timothy 1.16. Well, exactly what he said in Dean's translation. He literally said, Timothy, use the prophetic word over you as a weapon of warfare. In other words, Timothy, take the word, don't stomp it, pick the word up and use the word to start knocking devils in the head, start overcoming the lies in your mind. I can do all things. Somebody say it with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What do you mean, devil, I can't do it? What do you mean I'm not good enough? What do you mean I'm not able? I've got to take the word now and I've got to use it as a weapon of warfare. That's what he told Timothy. Now you got to. Thank you, Beth. Now you got to take it and fight with it. Listen to me. If you're in a progressive church, you just can't be a Sunday morning saint who comes in here and gets you a little feel good. Amen. You got to take this stuff. You may be, if you do, you're going to be a 30 fold Christian. What if we had a hundred fold where we could start giving this stuff out? Amen. I don't got my little 30 fold so me and my family can live. What if we had a hundred times what's being preached flowing out of us and then we could just be distributing all over this community? I got to go on because this gets better. Tell you now, use the word as your weapon. How do you do that? You take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and you start slashing thoughts that you're not good enough, that you're a failure, that you've always been sick. You've always, you hear me? Most of us, I'm going to say most of us came from dysfunctional backgrounds. Most of you came from fathers who didn't know how to father, mothers who didn't know how to mother, you know, families that were dysfunctional. Does anybody have a perfect family in this church? You, you, you know what I'm saying? Huh? You notice how every other family's weird but yours? That's the way I always think. You, 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 you got to take the I got to move on. Remember, the words you received with joy and was so excited about, now it has to become a weapon. You got to start tearing down what a dysfunctional father said. You got to start tearing down what a knuckle-headed husband said. You got to start cutting down what your body is telling you. What your own mind is telling you. God, this is so big and I'm not teaching it big enough. Because you keep going through cycles we keep talking about. You, keep, you know what a cycle is? A cycle is when you get kind of good and you're halfway out of the rut only to go so far and then boom, fall back down in the rut. My God, somebody declare I'm coming out of my rut. Let's, let's, let's work that a little bit, and i got to go to my third point. That 4.16 says, These are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. But they have no root. They have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a time. Are you tired of enduring for just seasons? 
Are you tired of just enduring for a little while? You ever notice how we'll go on faith binges? And brother, ain't a devil in hell and tell me anything different. It don't matter how people are acting. Y'all know? Y'all get in these seasons? I'm just so spiritual, I go to sleep speaking in tongues. Wake up speaking in tongues. Wake up with fresh breath. I mean, it's a season. Everything's just right. Only for a little while, then you fall back off. He said, you heard the word, you received it with gladness, but then affliction came and you endured for a little while. He says, and, and then you were offended. Have you ever been offended with God? Y'all ain't got to answer me, but I'm just going to throw it out there because we have. You ever, you ever been offended with the word? If you, if, you, if you haven't, you probably ain't been through nothing, number one. And number two, you have not been in your word. I'm plumb offended because of the word, because the word is saying this, and my circumstances is this. Amen. And my word is saying this, and this happened, and offended because of the persecution. Come on, I ain't got time to work that, but it's real, isn't it? Amen. And I just need some people to know it. Don't. But listen, the word offended actually comes from the word scandalizo, which means to entrap, trip, or to stumble. In other words, the word is preached, we get excited over it, and we stumble before it produces fruit. Going good. Going good, but affliction comes because the circumstance persists. Situations come because the devil knows I got to stop you now. You have gotten a word. You're finding out who you are. And if I don't trip you up, Benjamin ain't bothering me. I'm telling you. Amen. Uh, uh, if, if, uh, and, and the word is preached and you're excited about it. Amen. And you endure for a while. Luke said that you believe for a while, but in a time of temptation, you fall away. We get tripped up before the word can produce fruit. We stumble and fall. Can I tell you falling is the opposite of standing? Ooh, I knew this was going to get deep. You better write that down so you don't forget it. Falling, I'm going somewhere with this, is the opposite of standing. Okay? So we don't stand long enough for the word to produce the desired results. If it's the seed of peace, it'll produce it. But what you don't realize, while you're standing, it's taking root. Mm, thank you. So that's from an agriculturist over there. You don't realize, while you're standing, because you never sow a seed and boom, you got fruit. Because there is underground work that has to be done in order to support what's coming. It's got to it's got to grow downward before it can grow upward. And we don't stand long enough for the seed to take root to 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 be able number 1 to produce the fruit and then number 2 to maintain and sustain the fruit. And that's why we got joy one month and not the next. It's right here. Come on, let's work it. Let's work it. Amen. Falling is the opposite of standing. Amen. And then the parable teaches us why we fall away. Why we keep stumbling. He said, because there was no root. There was no depth. There was no, it was all superficial. Hoorah. I mean, I'm a hoorah. 
You know what I mean? I mean, I'm a cheerleader. It's in my blood. I was started off as an evangelist. You know, I, I start off to stir people up. But let me tell you what, them emotions come and go. What matters is, did you get a tap root going down? And see, 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 E double. See, the thing about root work is nobody can see it. You can't even see it. But the longer you stand there, the deeper that root is getting. And God was saying, stand, stand, stand. And the devil's coming to get you to stumble and to fall. Amen. High five your neighbor and tell him, keep standing. Keep standing. See, that's why you're in a vicious cycle. You never stood on the word long enough for it to get the root system that was requisite to produce this external stuff. Let's, let's look at that. Uh, he said in Mark 4, 5, the sun fell on stony ground and it didn't have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. The word depth, write this down, is bathos. I said it with an accent, but it's bathos. That'll help you spell it, bathos. And it means profundity. Profundity. And profundity is another word for profound. And profundity means deep insight or great depth of knowledge or thought. In other words, he said that it, it sprang up and it withered away because it had no deep train of thought. It didn't have true knowledge. It was inspired by the preacher. But it never got to my spirit. So if the root, catch this part, we got to go fast. So if the root is equivalent to depth, and the scripture plainly teaches that, he uses them. And depth is referring to profundity or deep insight, knowledge, and understanding, then the root is the understanding. Let me try this side. Thank you. The root is the understanding of God. There can't be an external standing if there's not an understanding. Oh my God. Is it working? Amen. I can't produce fruit unless I have a strong understanding of God. It's the deep calling to the deep. It's the e double. It ain't got nothing to do with external extremities or proclivity. Wow, I don't know what that means. <laughs> external uh, conditions because I have an understanding. Amen. I have, I have an understanding of God that don't have anything to do with what you see on the outside. Everything can be great. In other words, can I help somebody? Don't worry about the fruit yet because if you got root, the fruit is going to come. Amen. Don't fret because you ain't everything you think you ought to be. If you have an understanding of who God is and what God is, that root is going to produce. And it's so much better than that little springing up supernatural. I want somebody to lay hands on me and me feel good and walk out with peace and joy and long suffering. And everybody's good, you're good, I'm good. Huh? And it ain't got no root whatsoever. It was based on a feel-good service where somebody got your emotions all jacked up and you felt here and felt and did it with the word. 
But if I don't have an understanding, I'll never have an overstanding. If I don't have an understanding in the background, are y'all listening to me? It's another, Paul said, that's, this is why Paul said, Paul, Paul said, Paul didn't say, I know what I believe. All of you should know what you believe. Paul said, I know whom I believe. There's the problem. That's knowledge without revelation. I can tell you what I believe, amen, but what I got a problem with, Paul said, I know in whom I believe, and now I'm persuaded this is gonna work out. He said, I ain't got much fruit out here because I'm in prison, but I got a root. <laughs> I got root. I'm rooted in the God I know, and this fruit will produce. Can we go deeper? That woman with the issue of blood said, I know if I can touch him. There wasn't no question in her mind. I know. I've heard enough about him to know if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. What if we come to church with that kind of attitude? What if we went into prayer with that kind of attitude? What if we walked out into the community with that kind of attitude? I know. I don't, need, I don't need the weather to be conducive for me to be nice. I got a root. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be like a tree planted by the water who spreads its root down underneath and does not see when the heat cometh and does not cease to yield fruit. Amen. Paul, I mean, uh, David said, everybody calls me a wonder. They look at me and say, wow, he's a wonder. And he said, but nobody knows the tap root I got. He said, it ain't me, it's what I'm rooted into. He said, Let's, let's work this. I'm doing so good on time. Y'all gave me the service early. Verse number six says, it, it springs up and looks all fruitful, but when the sun was up, it scorched. Don't you hate it when that happens? It scorched, and because it had no fruit, it withered away. I'm tired of losing my peace. I'm tired of losing my joy. I'm tired of losing my temperance. See anybody out there? I'm tired of losing my self-control. I'm tired. He said, and you only lose it when the sun gets hot. When circumstances are just beating down on you. The fruit came up quick, but was scorched because of a shallow root system. This is why the devil took prayer out of the church. This is why he took it. Let's keep you going in worship. Let's wow the crowd with our worship. Let's stimulate you with our music. You feel good about yourself. Get a little word. Go on about your business. But root work is done underground when nobody's looking in your prayer closet. Nobody's looking at the root system you're putting down when you're in the Word at home. Are you listening to me? And you can tell who don't have a root system when the sun gets hot. You tell. We get blown out of the water by everything. Huh? Because I, I don't know Him. I'm not tapping into Him. I'm not drawing from Him. The, the fruit of peace will burn in a hurry without a good understanding. The fruit of joy without clear thought, without profoundness in my spirit, a profound knowledge of God. No wonder Paul said, I count all that is lost that I may know him. I love the way the scripture, oh, that I may know him. 
Oh, that I may be rooted to him so that it don't matter if we go in a drought or not, I'm still producing fruit. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of, that we're still fruitful in the drought. That we don't have to be one of them churches like this. Seasonal. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I do need to drop this before we go to my last point. Remember it says, you receive the word with joy and you keep it for a little while, but you fizzle out. This is the life of 90% of the church. Would y'all agree? Just fizzle out. I'm tired of fighting it. This place is dead. I give up. Tired of fighting it. He said, it withers because it has no root. The root, this is just by English definition, is the part of the plant which enters in and fixes itself in the earth. And it serves to support the plant in an erect position and draws nutrients to feed the plant. So when you you put depth and root to knowledge and understanding, it's literally saying, it's what I know about God that's holding me up. Not what God's doing to me or for me. I need somebody to get that. It's not about how my spouse is acting. It's not about how people are acting. He said, what's holding me up is my root system. All y'all see is this. You don't see my prayer life. You don't see my devotion. You don't see my dedication. So you may applaud me, but don't applaud me because it's the behind the scenes work that makes me what I am. Oh my God, are y'all getting it? That's what makes a strong church. That's why I'm pushing prayer meeting like crazy. Amen. It's because I know that's the root system of a church. Amen. We, we had a, uh, you ever seen a tree overproduce and it destroy it? We had one in our backyard, a persimmon tree, and it would produce so much fruit, it would just tear the limbs down and destroy it. God said, you got to stand for a while so I can produce a good enough uh, uh, root system of character to hold the fruit I'm wanting to put on you. Because if I give you too much position without enough root, it'll turn to pride and break you down. He said, so you, you got to stand long enough to get a root system. Because you see, your root system, catch this, is drawing substance or sustenance from a different realm. It's a deeper realm than where the actual fruit is being produced. You catch that? Yeah. The root system is drawing sources. We got it backwards. We draw peace from people. We draw joy from circumstances. We're, we're out here. Are y'all following me? And, and, and when I draw peace of mind from you, it ain't long. If you're my source, you're going to be an idiot. Is anybody, are y'all getting this stuff? And it's okay if everybody around me is conducive for my peace. But where does that happen at? Amen. If I'm drawing all my peace and my joy and my long suffering from my surroundings, sooner or later, that climate's going to change and I'm going to lose all of the above. But if I'm like a tree planted by the water and I'm tapped into another soil, it don't matter what you do. Hang me on a cross, crucify me, beat me on recognition and I'll still forgive you. 
because I'm tapped into a different source. No wonder they said he's a wonder. God Almighty, I knew this was going to help me. Can I tell you, this is the reason the word comes in seed form. The word never comes in finished form. It never comes as a finished product. It has to come in a seed. Why? To protect itself. It has to come in seed form because the fruit that it can produce is so heavy, it has to have a good root system. <laughs> so that's why, you know, people, people walk into a church like this and, man, you know, a small, small church may say, man, I want a church just like this. Could you just hand me this church? Amen. And if a church this size was handed to someone who hadn't had to grow down, amen, just the responsibility would crush them because they didn't grow with it. Are you listening to me? That's why you have to grow with everything so you have a root system to be able to handle it when it begins to grow. Tell your neighbor, it's fruit time, root time, root time. It's root time for life church. Because if you don't have the right root system, you will not steward the fruit well. You'll use it against people. Disciples said, Jesus, let us go call fire down from heaven. We'll kill them all. <laughs> we'll kill them all. They're out there casting out devils. Amen. Uh, and they're not doing it like we are. See what happened if God gave you too much authority with not enough root? We'd kill everything in the parish. Okay, let's move on. Let me skip all that. Number three, point number three, then the song. He said, there's this poem. The word sown among thorns. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in. Choke the word. Somebody say it with me. Chokes the word. Don't choke you. Chokes the word. It chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this life. This is a big one right here. Everybody's got to catch this one. Cares actually means distraction. Listen, it means something that prevents someone to give full attention to. Not sins, weights. Not sins. I've seen it over and over and over that God would try to bless people in their jobs. And they turn around and choke to death over jobs. I've seen it time and time again. The job would start choking out the word. Blessings will choke out the word. Remember, everything he's talking about here is stuff. He said, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Amen. Distraction means anything that has stopped me from giving my full attention to. Listen to some of you guys that's coming up and God wants you to be entrepreneurs and he wants you to be blessed and he wants you to grow. But if you don't grow in character, as the business begins to grow, it will choke out the word in your life. It'll choke out the word. Uh, it'll choke out the word in your life. Amen. In other words, what it's doing is it stopped me from giving my full attention to. This is big. 
And it don't even have to be a job. It can be home. It can be raising kids. It can be going to school. It can be, but, but, but uh, I mean, it can be working in your flower garden. It can be anything. Can I get a witness? Amen. It can be washing them stinking dishes. I don't know. It can be a lot of things. But if it's stopping me from giving my full attention, do you mean I got to quit work and I can't, you know, make money? Absolutely not. But you'll know when it's become a distraction because it's choking out devotion. And now you're producing 30%. Listen to this. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Riches is not a bad thing. What makes riches bad is that when it deceives you into believing, if I had more, I'd be happier. Did y'all catch that? If I had more, I'd have more rapport in the community. That's the deceitfulness of riches that if I made more money, people would look at me different. If I made more money, I wouldn't be having the problems. Can I tell you rich people has the same problems you have? Of course, some of you may be rich. I don't know. Matter of fact, they got more problems. That's why you quoted the scripture. It's hard for a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven. huh? It's simply because he let all of his stuff distract him from giving his full attention to the only thing with eternal value. Am I teaching okay? Deceitfulness of riches is the unrealistic illusion that more money or more stuff would produce joy in my life. I would be happier if I had a greater status. I would be happier if I had this much money. How much money in your bank account would make you happy? Whew, I could think of a number. <laughs> but it's deceitful. See, you don't know that until you get it. I've seen people have more, lose it all, and have 10 times less and finally found joy. I'm telling you the truth. Finally found some peace. Finally found, I've seen people who lost it all, amen, in a bad way, and then all of a sudden realized how important relationships were. It's the deceitfulness of stuff. Is anybody in this house with me this morning? Just the deceitful of everything we're running out of. And here's what he said. It chokes out the word. Choke means to stop by filling, to obstruct or to block up. You'll know. You ever been choked? It's scary, ain't it? I swallowed a nickel one time. I got the nickel, though. You'll know when you're choking on the word. Or, wait a minute. You'll know you're distracted when it starts getting hard to get the word down. Mm, I'm going to let that soak in because y'all didn't catch it. You, you, you'll know you're distracted when, oh, I need to read my Bible. <laughs> I need to do Bible study. I need to go back Wednesday night by <coughs> You'll know you're distracted when you start choking. Anybody ever choke on the word? Y'all are scared to answer me that, but it happens to me sometimes. And what I got to see is something is blocking my airway. Something, some other stuff, and it was good stuff or I wouldn't be eating it. It's not that it's bad stuff, 
But when I get so wrapped up with stuff, it starts blocking my airway and the word can't get by. Amen. It's actually, it says to stop the passage of breath. I can't breathe properly when I'm distracted. The Spirit of God can't flow into me properly when I'm too distracted. And then I go from total devotion to Sunday morning Christians. I'm just going to be real for a few minutes and I'm going to be through 4, 12, 30. Show up on Sunday morning, get my little Christianity in, I go on about my business. And we're 34 Christians. Now I'm going to wrap this up, but I need you to ask yourself before you do, before I do. Where are you at? Are you one of those that are stomping out what God's saying about you? Are you rejecting that prophetic word that God's speaking into your life because your old mindset, because of how you see yourself, because of how you think? I'm telling you, realistically, there's been enough word preached in this church since you've been here that we ought to be walking on water. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, we ought to be people of faith and power. So if you never stop and do what I did in prayer, God, the fruit is not matching the root. And he took me to this parable. So before we just have our little prayer service, I need you to be honest with you. Am I that one that beats up the word when it comes to me? Because I'm so used to beating myself up? Or am I that one that receives the word, but I don't have no root in me? I want to make a confession as your pastor. An encounter with God is where this message come from. And I said, God, I'm preaching way deeper than I'm living because I was preaching on healing, miracles. Remember all that preaching? That God answers every prayer that's by faith. And every bit of it's true. I've never preached anything that wasn't the Word of God. And I said, God, I'm preaching it. We're preaching it. We're pushing for it. I want to know where's the fruit. And God spoke to me and said, you're too shallow. You don't have a root system to maintain what you're preaching. So you got to keep standing. And you got to keep standing until your root system goes deep enough and is tapped into me, not the miracle. Are you following me? It's tapped into me, not the results. This is my conviction now, your pastor, because I consider myself a pretty deep guy. And it brought pressure in my life that I don't just want to preach it, I want to stand in it. And by standing in it, I don't mean standing there wondering if it's ever going to happen. I'm talking about standing in faith, I know my God. Is anybody with me? So this is where I was when God told me you're too shallow. Your faith is too shallow. I can show you your faith is shallow because when things happen, it blows you out of the water. Anybody else in this boat with me? You don't have a problem believing under the anointing, but when the pain comes, my faith will wither. 
I'm just confessing in front of y'all. Y'all at least acknowledge or pray for me or say poor thing. <laughs> but we can't grow if he don't show us. Is this you? Are you? Do you have a whole lot more knowledge than you have revelation? And all of that knowledge is just fooling you? Because if we had revelation, it would be moving us. Or are you the third one? Do you, do you fit in the third category? Are you so distracted that ministry's been choked out? The word gets choked out. Some of you moms, are y'all with me? Y'all listening to me? My God, I don't know why y'all have so many kids. Everybody's got a ball game on a different night in a different place. Then you got to get up and go to work. Then you got to cook supper. Isn't it easy to get so distracted with the cares of this life? Come on now, y'all just be real with me. And then the word is just producing our little 30%. And we're just living off of our little 30%. Is, is, is some of you distracted with thinking that if I had more, I could be more? If I had more, I would do more. Can I tell you something right now? If you're not doing with what you have right now, you'll not do any more when you get more. I can't afford to pay tithes. If I made more, I'd pay tithes. If you can't pay tithes on $10, if you can't write that $1 check, how are you going to write that $10,000 check on that $100,000 income? Jesus said, if you're faithful over what you have, it's to prove to me you can grow to more. I need you to stand with me right now. We're going to have corporate prayer. Has anybody received a word this morning? Yeah. It, I, I'm, I'm, Jesus spoke to me and said, <laughs> oh, I, I just went back to that prayer meeting I had. He said, Dean, do you love me? I said, I love you, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. And that's all I prayed. God, I want to feed. Has anybody eat today? Has anybody eaten manna from another world today? Did you get fed good today? I don't need you to tell me I did a good job. I just need the Father to say, you fed them. You fed it's been my goal. Josh, I was in the office just, I couldn't even visit y'all for church because I was a mess. Josh said, you are? Right? I said, man, I'm struggling because I knew you need to be fed. So I've done my job to feed. I've sowed. I've sowed. I've sowed. Now the question is, where's the seed going to fall this morning? And you know, Kobe, I've gotten upset sometimes and I've told that I wouldn't go back to certain churches because I could tell they weren't growing, they weren't doing anything, and I was tired of coming back and doing the same old thing. But you know what I noticed about the seed? He sowed it anyway. He knew some of it was going on the wayside. He knew some of it was going to jump up and be scorched. But I didn't preach the last point. He said some of it was sown on good ground. And according to that ground, it began to produce 30 times what I preached. 30, 
60 times and 100 times. So it ain't up to me to decide I'm not sowing to you because you're not receiving. It's my job to sow. I'm just going to sow, Father, because I love you. I, I, I love you, Father, and I'm going to sow. So I need you today in our prayer time. If you want to come up, you can. But I need you to just kind of zone out for a minute and say, God, where am I? Am I a 30-fold Christian? Am I 60-fold? Or is this word producing a 100-fold? And if not, Lord, which, where do I fit? Am I stomping down when you're trying to build me up? Am I receiving the word and it's springing up real quick, but I don't stand long enough for it to produce in my life? Or am I just so stinking distracted that what I do know is being choked out in my life? My God, that rings a bell right there, don't it? That's just being choked out in my life. I'm so busy about the cares of this life, the word is just being choked down in my life. I don't know where you are. It's not my place to judge you, but I want you to enter into your own prayer time right now. Father, you show me. You show me, oh Lord God. My God, and if you're number two, you ought to be saying, Lord, you help me to stand. Help me to know that something's going on underground that I can't see above ground. I want to tap into you, Jesus. I want to have root in me. My God, I want to be rooted and grounded, stable, not wishy-washy, not cyclical. Come on, come on. This is our prayer meeting. It's still early. This is our prayer meeting. We're probably not going to do anything here tonight, but just, just this, take this moment right here. Somebody needs to repent for your distractions, not your sins. Take this time. Me, a lot of us, you need to repent right now. I've been too distracted, Lord. I've been too distracted. Things you spoke to me, I've forgotten about. Things he double shot. I declare right now, things that God sowed in you six months ago are about to come back to your mind, and you're gonna say, My God, I got distracted. I got distracted, and that got choked out. It's being resurrected. My God, come on, I feel something moving in me right now. That, that dream, that vision, that calling, that ministry is about to be resurrected in you again today. It got choked to death. It choked to death. But there's a resurrecting spirit in this place right now that's going to resurrect it. Move, clear your airways. Clear out, clear it out, clear it out. You ain't got to quit your, 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 the uh, things of this world. You ain't got to quit living. But it stole my attention away from my beloved. <laughs> it stole my attention away from my God and my God wanted to be in it with me. Oh my God, I want to be a part of a church that's producing 100 times. 100 fold so I can just give and give and give it. Give it such as I have. I give it to you. I give you peace. I give you my joy. I release my long suffering. Jesus, Jesus told us, when you go into a house, release peace. Oh my God, my God, my God, I don't know if y'all sense what I sense in this place, but I need you to embrace this moment. 
Can you just see that you're a plowed field and the seed has been sown? You may not be happy with the fruit in your life right now, and you may be praying about it, but let me help you. You don't need to pray about the fruit in your life right now. You need to pray for the shallow root that's in your life right now. Because if we get the root right, it'll produce the fruit. My God, it feels good in this place right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.